Hey, what's happening on Instagram? I hope you all are doing well this afternoon uh, or evening, wherever you are. Uh, Dr. Coop here. I uh, hope you all are enjoying a little bit of content that I put out from time to time. Uh, tonight is a very special one. In a few moments, I'm going to be on blackdoctor.org, blackdoctor.org, uh, live with my good friend, um, uh, Elistine, and we're going to be discussing the Bronnie James uh, situation. I don't have any details on that, but what I will talk about in just a few moments is the causes, potential causes of a sudden cardiac arrest in a young uh, male uh, athlete. So tune in, blackdoctor.org. I think this is on their Facebook page where you can tune in, but I'm going to keep this live from my IG page so that the information is there. And I'll try to give you, uh, with respect to their um, invitation to me to come onto their program, I'll try to give you uh, some previews so that we can utilize this content as well. I hope you all are doing great. Love you. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it. All right. So stay tuned. I'm going to stay live here for a few moments. We're going to go live with blackdoctor.org, and we're going to be discussing sudden cardiac death in young athletes um, uh, like Bronnie James, which happened a couple of days ago. Again, I have no definitive information about exactly what went on, but I could tell you from a professional uh, perspective some of the things that physicians are thinking about in those circumstances. So stay tuned. We're going to get live here momentarily, but if you'd like to join the conversation, Go to blackdoctor.org, and I think on their Facebook page is where they post the link to these programs, but I'm very humbled and excited to be here. I'm going to go and check in with my buddy, Ellis Dean, right now. I hope y'all like the workout, the Pilates. <laughs> I got a little feedback um, and uh, it was good. It was positive. I love it. I'm glad I can help you, help motivate you along the way as you work on your uh, health and wellness, etc., etc. Okay, hold on, Ellis. I'm uh, okay. Now, I wonder if, hmm, it says stream this to my audience. Okay, let me do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, they got a new feature now. You can, uh, Ellis, my brother. What's happening? But it's only allowed me two def destinations. Okay. <laughs> But they don't expect people to have like you know. Like so what would, what would you? So what would you say? So I, should I, I do my, did my Facebook page and I think I'll do LinkedIn. How about that? Yeah, I think those two are, are your best choices. Uh, I'm gonna do. Uh, I actually am live on 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 uh, uh, Instagram right now on my cell phone. Okay. 
Yeah, because that's the one place that StreamYard can't stream to. So yeah, yeah, no. IGN on your cell phone, um, and StreamYard you can go to like you know Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, and then like like Twitch and other stuff that I don't I don't use. Man, <laughs> I have no idea. And then uh, the you know. Uh, you know, and then they just a lot lost. They just um, what was this thing? Um, gosh, they 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 just you know uh, launched this thing. Um, oh, uh, threads. Threads. Yeah, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. So I mean, it. it I, I thought. I think it, it came to me automatically because I don't know if I actually signed up for anything. It comes to you automatically because um, you have a an Instagram account. So it is um, ah. it is Meta or Facebook's way answer to Twitter because everybody's unhappy with Twitter with uh, your boy running it. So uh, <laughs> Facebook <laughs> Facebook decided, you know what? Let's go ahead and capitalize on this unrest. Hey, why not? And, and created threads and and uh, people just started flocking to it. I think they had the highest number of ads um in in the history of social media wow um, sorry threads so wow. Um, wow but be careful if you get on it it's nothing wrong with it but right now it's connected to your instagram uh or you can you can connect it to your instagram but if you do that and you decide to to cancel or to delete threads your instagram will be deleted as well so i heard some people can't complaining about that and i was like oh okay that's good to know so just if you're going to get on threads don't connect it to your instagram account so you just operate it independently and, uh, uh, okay yeah. i gotta look into that because i can see the little thread symbol on my ig page is that is that connected or I, I that uh, have you set up a thread? Well, I guess if you if you click on it, it'll probably have you set up, and it'll th do it through your Instagram, and then that'll connect it. Mm. Okay, all right. Well, I got to I got to be careful. That's ba the bottom line. You you're warning me to be careful. Good. All right, my friend. All right, good. It's good to be here with you as always. And are we live yet? Not live yet. No, we're not live. Yet. Do we? No, do you have any other guests coming to discuss this? No, or? Just this one. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We had, we were I mean because it was such short notice because I mean we started some some conversations and we're going to be going uh, Re Reggie's going to be going to dinner with them at NMA with uh, the ABC okay good and we're going to be doing some work with them uh, trying to increase some some uh, opportunities with them but uh, I'll talk to you offline about that okay all my friends over <laughs> at the ABC I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm gonna, I'm not gonna toss any shade right now but it's all good yeah we 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 just need to get in a room and. You know, we need to have a retreat, honestly, and just kind of get together. And um, there's so much happening um, in my world yeah. when it comes to particularly African-American physicians and the everything that you see that's happening from a disenfranchisement, a marginalization, or just flat out racism yeah. uh, is happening in institutions. And it's happening in the healthcare systems as well. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. I'm on a, a number of chat threads and groups and things, and it's really difficult to basically remove the fog off of the lenses, uh, in particular for a lot of these young physicians. Uh, well, let me, let, me, let me back that up. Let me back that statement up. Not necessarily young physicians, yeah. 
I think they are seeing it better than some of the ones who've gotten a taste of this illusion of security and safety in a system that, quite frankly, has got a lot of flaws. And, you know, most people don't know this, but 75, everybody, you know, people talk to you sometimes like, hey, you got any physician friends you can refer me for to do business, to set up their website or do this or do that. Let me tell you something. 80% of the doctors in America now are employees. If they're not directly employed, they are connected through some type of clinically integrated network with a system and they have handcuffs. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a bit extreme. I understand that. But as one of my colleagues says, Coop, it's figurative, it's figurative handcuffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you, you, you yeah. can't, there's certain things you can't do. There's a lot of decisions you can't make right. uh, independently anymore. So the idea of independent and independent enterprising physician in America is, is really, that no longer really exists. So what a lot of physicians are doing is they're breaking off and now they're doing concierge practices, okay? Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. gives you to some extent some of those, some some of that independence and entrepreneurial um, um, opportunity back, but right. it never really fulfills completely the void uh, that is left. And- Well, concierge practices only gives you access to a certain percentage of the population that can afford concierge. Exactly. And so, and so, you know, that's great for them, for the physicians yeah. who practice on it. But I always, you know, as I, when I discuss that with my, my colleagues, I say, Hey man, it's access. I mean, what are we doing when you, when you set up systems like that, how does that affect access overall? Because it, 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 it you know, you may have a nice eight to four, nine to five lifestyle, uh, on when you want to be on, off when you want to be off. That's great. But patients and healthcare consumers who want information, they have no access to it. But, you know, the world that I'm in now is filling that void. I'm, I'm all about access. I'm all about doing this kind of stuff. I'm all about creating Matter of fact, opportunities. I need, to, I, need yep. to connect you, I need to connect you with my wife because she's the sure. CHRO for her company. Sure. And, and they were like, they were thinking about adding Primo Health Partners for that second opinion service that they can refer. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to talk to them. We'd love to talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we do. All right, man, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let me say hi to y'all over on Black. Hey, hey, Reggie, real quick, where do they pick this up live? Is it on face on your blackdoctor.org Facebook page? It's on our blackdoctor.org Facebook page. It will also be on our blackdoctor.org YouTube uh, channel. So if you go to... Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash blackdoctor.org slash live. You'll find it right there. Um, and then if you go to YouTube and just put in blackdoctor.org, go to our YouTube channel, it'll be live on there. Got it. Okay, good. So y'all hear that. So blackdoctor.org uh, on Facebook uh, live. They can blackdoctor.org live on Facebook and also on their YouTube channel, just black doctor. Uh, all one black doctor, all one word dot org. Go in there and check it out. Uh, that's where we're talking and talk a bit, a little bit about uh, the Bronnie James situation. All right, take care. All right, right thank you all so much. Stay with me. I'll be talking. We're gonna get started here. Oh, I gotta bring up the, get the graphic here. We'll get started.
Good afternoon, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us here on blackdoctor.org. Uh, I am Ellis Dean, the Director of Digital Programming at Black Doctor. And uh, one of the things we pride ourselves here is we are responsive to what's happening in the community. And so what do I mean by that? Well, earlier uh, in, in the last football season, uh, when DeMar Hamlin had his cardiac arrest on the field, we were able to turn around on that Wednesday and have a program about cardiac arrest and emergency services. Well, here we are again. We learned on Monday that uh, LeBron's son, uh, LeBron James Jr., also known as Bronny James, right? So you need to know what you need to know and what you can do about it. So a couple of things, we've got a special guest, somebody that is not new to blackdoctor.org, but he is always a fan favorite and we is super smart about all things hearts related. So we had to call, I had to, first person I, I hit up was, was Dr. Cooper. <laughs> so so uh, a couple of things I need for you to do before we get started with Dr. Cooper is number one, let us know where you're watching from. We'd like to know where people are watching us from all over the world. So please drop that in the comment section and let us know, give yourself a shout out. Number two, please, please, please tag a friend or share this on your page. We want to get this information out as to as many people as possible. We know that misinformation and disinformation, especially about healthcare, has become rampant since, you know, that certain time where COVID was going on. Uh, and it, it, it just keeps coming out. So we want to get out true factual information from black and top black experts. So please share this on your page and tag a friend. And then finally, if you have any questions throughout today's broadcast, we need to ask those questions, drop those in the comment section, because this program is all about getting your, your questions asked and answered, so you can go tell a friend and share it, because you know, like folks, we still like to share things word of mouth as well. So, uh, I see my, my girl Carmen coming in from, oh, in the, oh, LinkedIn, okay, that must be watching the Dr. Cooper's <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Carmen, how are you doing? Fresno, Texas, what's up? All right. Uh, hey, that's what's up. Keep... Keep your, your comments, keep giving yourself a shout out. Uh, we got Southern Maryland in the house. But the man of the hour is, of course, our own Dr. William Cooper. He is a cardiothoracic surgeon. It took me a long time to practice and how to say that properly, but he's a cardiothoracic surgeon. He's also a media personality, and he is also a principal partner at Primo Health Partners. And we want to make sure as you go sign up, he'll get an opportunity to tell you about Primo Health Partners here today. So you don't get into a situation where your health is in jeopardy without getting that great second opinion. So uh, I'm going to shut up and bring on the man, also known as Dr. Cooper. How hey. you doing, Dr. How you doing, Doc? Hey, Ellis, how you doing, man? It's always great to be with you. Absolutely fantastic to be with you. Man, this is this is great. I, and I, I, I was being completely honest. When you talked about it, we need to do a show about it. I was like, I got it. Well, I'm I'm humbled by that, my friend. It really it really humbles me. It gives me an opportunity to share what God has given me, quite frankly. Absolutely. So we were all. I mean, I'm sure. It, well, if you don't, know, I mean, it's hard pressed to find somebody on the planet that doesn't know who LeBron James is and his family. And then, so when we were all kind of, it, it happened, the news broke while we were on our morning call the other day mm -hmm. uh, about Ronnie James and having a cardiac mm -hmm. arrest. And, and all of us, because we work either in healthcare or in the periphery of healthcare, right. that we know how serious that situation is. So help our audience understand what is a, what is a cardiac arrest, particularly, and how is it different from a heart attack? Got it. Yeah, that's a great question, Ellis. Well, first and foremost, I want to say thank you uh, for allowing me to come on and have this opportunity once again. Uh, two, I want to say that officially, 
from blackdoctor.org and Dr. Coop MD that we send our sincere, heartfelt thoughts, prayers, concern, and healing energy uh, to the James family. Uh, one of the things that I get to see in my profession is the impact not only on the patient, uh, which I have to treat, but also the family. And that can be very, very unsettling and devastating, quite frankly. So uh, I, I just want to say that right off the bat. The difference between a cardiac uh, arrest and uh, a, if you will, a heart attack per se is, is vast, all right? And it really comes down to, you know, really nomenclature and context. When the heart stops, that's all we're saying in cardiac arrest. In fact, I, as a heart surgeon, create cardiac arrest intentionally in patients every single day. I did that this morning in the patient that I operated on earlier today, okay? And that's literally just the heart stopping, okay? And it somehow gets intertwined with and basically, not necessarily confused, but used in very general terms with the idea of a heart attack, all right? Yes. Uh, and so what we're talking about when we talk about sudden or cardiac arrest, it includes, okay, basically anything that can cause your heart to stop, all right? And unfortunately, in a number of people, that cardiac arrest could turn into what we would term as sudden cardiac death. Now, some people will label it that. But it's really not that unless you actually do die from it, okay? That's more of a, I would call it an epidemiological term, sudden cardiac death, meaning that they died of a cardiac-related something, all right? Cardiac, cardiac arrest just means the heart stopped, okay? Heart attack, okay? And again, it gets a little murky because we intertwine and we intermingle terminology to me gets a little bit more specific because the heart attack suggests that there is something that actually led to damage to the heart that may not quite frankly lead to sudden cardiac death or even cardiac arrest Okay, that, that was a great explanation. So when the heart stops, right? And so that, that stoppage can be for a myriad of reasons, up to and including you having to have heart surgery where they're asking, because it's hard to perform heart surgery when the heart is still beating, right? Correct, so, correct, and, correct. Yeah. And the so-called heart attack can cause cardiac arrest, all right? But right. the vast majority, overwhelming heart attacks do not cause cardiac arrest. Okay. Now, the question that, that came up was, okay, and, and as we started having a little mini debate on our, on our work call the other day about this was, some people felt like his playing career is going to be over. He had a cardiac arrest, he's, he's done playing basketball, and I said, well, not necessarily, because he had a player at USC last year that had a cardiac arrest during practice and was back playing six months later. Right. We saw just here, I was watching Sports Center this morning, and there was a big celebration about DeMar Hamlin 
returning to the Bills practice and getting ready to engage in football. Uh, in football, we know how strenuous both basketball and football yes. are yes. in terms of its cardiovascular uh, needs in order to be able to, to perform at right. a high level. Right. So help us understand, it, it, is it is it case by case whether or not somebody can re-engage in playing sports at a high level if they've had a cardiac arrest event? Yeah, this is a great question. And what I think we should do, Ellis, is go back and now try to parse out what's happening in the case of a sudden cardiac uh, arrest, uh, heart attack, which could be one of the reasons for that, okay? Um, So when we think about the heart stopping, uh, either spontaneously, which is very, 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 very rare, okay? And when I say spontaneously, or even we would add in the healthcare community, the term idiopathic, meaning for no known reason. And that can only come after you've had a thorough evaluation and workup and tested everything. So the idea that someone's heart just completely stops for no known reason is very, 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 very uncommon. And I would say even rare, all right? Now, so that being one. Because when someone has a sudden cardiac arrest, as young James had, then that would then trigger a complete investigation and workup. And when I say workup, diagnostic testing and things to try to figure out why that happened. Okay? When you get to the why, of why it happened, okay, then that then determines, okay, whether or not that person can re-engage in whatever activity they that may have precipitated the event. So let's talk about DeMar Hamlin for a moment, okay? We think, based on the information, again, this is his private healthcare information that I'm not privy to, I'm, I'm making very generalized, broad statements, all right? But, based on my knowledge, expertise, and, and professional practice, in his case, the thinking, as I understand it, is that he had a very, very rare situation, which is what we call commodio cortis, okay? And in that case, what happened literally is an impact to the chest, okay, in the area of his heart that essentially caused the electrical activity of his heart to go completely awry and essentially put him, to what, put him into what we call ventricular fibrillation, okay? And that then is not compatible with life and leads to, can lead to complete cardiac arrest. And most people would essentially term it that because essentially there's no activity there that could actually support the pumping of the heart, okay? So that is a very, very rare circumstance. It happens, and honestly, I've never seen it. Actually, there's one other case. I think, um, I'm just thinking back on this, I think there was a a football player who collapsed in the 70s, as I recall, uh, who may have had that condition, and I'd have to check all my facts on that, but um, it's something that has been reported in baseball, softball, 
uh, kids getting hit, quite frankly, in the chest um, with a projectile, which in this case would be the ball, okay? So in that case, we have identified that it's an external thing that caused the arrest. Very, very rare, very unlikely. I would say in that case that it's probably okay. Once you've done all the other testing that you should do for him to go back and engage in that activity. All right. Now, so assuming that this is just one of those rare circumstances, I don't know what was happening in that practice. Was it another episode of commodity? I don't I don't think so. I didn't hear anything about him, you know, you know, you know, having some, you know, running into someone or getting hit in a weird way on a basketball court. That I, I've never heard of that. I don't know if that's ever been reported. So we have to assume that uh, either it's spontaneous and idiopathic, meaning we have no idea why it happened, okay, or he's gone through the appropriate testing to identify a condition that may have caused it. Once that condition is identified, then you make a determination as to treatment, prognosis, and thirdly, in this case, the activity level of the person who was the victim of whatever happened in that case. Does that make sense? Yes. Got it. I want to be very, very clear because I can tell you Sometimes people start talking fast and they get on these shows and the media hype and these guys start going off in the tangents. So I don't know if he can go back and play based on the fact that we don't really necessarily know. But we can get into some of those conditions that may have created this. And then we can talk about whether or not it makes sense for him to reengage. I will sum this up by saying that with modern day technology and medicine, I would be personally very surprised if he did not re-engage in some kind of sports activity. Now, I want to give you all one example that is kind of not, I haven't seen it come up anywhere. But to me, one of the greatest boxers and athletes of all time to ever step in the squared circle. Um, Evander Holyfield, if you recall had a condition with his heart that was diagnosed before there was a problem called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And the recommendation was made that he should never go back in the ring again. Guess what? He did. Evander Holyfield, look this up. I was in Atlanta at Emory University during the period of time when this was going on and he was being diagnosed uh, and being treated, quite frankly, at uh, Emory University in Atlanta. And you had professionals at that institution who said, no, he shouldn't go back. He did. And he did fine. And he's doing fine today. So there's a lot we don't know. So there are examples of people out there um, that uh, have had these issues that have been resolved and have gone on to do do their thing, do their passion. There you go. You know, you know it's funny. So I'm, I'm going to summarize it for folks. When, so when y'all start talking about it, if y'all start talking about it, it's case-by-case basis. Yes. And we don't know until he has a full workup by his doctors, whether or not he's going to play. Anything else is pure speculation on our part about what whether he is or he isn't going to play basketball again. But what we should be talking about is, be happy about is the fact that he's on a path of recovery, 
Uh, he's on the road to recovery, and we know his family's got the resources to make sure that he gets. And, and I know he's getting the best heart care in the oh. world. Uh, I mean, you know, some of those hospitals in Southern California, in California in general, and all over, just like all over the country, are some of the greatest places you could ever be if you're yeah. going to have this problem. And, and you know, people shouldn't feel bad about that. My son texted me this morning, hey, you see this Bronny James thing? You think he's ever going to play again? And in a text message, I'm like, okay, William, I don't know. I can just tell you that there's a lot that's in that. And I, I told him, I said, you should tune into this so that you can hear me talk about it today. And hopefully you'll get a little bit better insight into why I can't really answer that question with clarity uh, and, 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 and some degree of certainty at least right now. Well, we've got a great question coming in from from, from our sure. visitors, from our viewers, and so I, I want y'all to keep those questions coming in. Yep, there's another one. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, I got you. So um, I want to ask this question before we get to the viewer questions, and that is: Is there a genetic component to that could lead you to have more cardiac events? And I'm just going to kind of say it in in that in that space mm -hmm. that to have more cardiac events that somebody that doesn't have that genetic disposition to have a cardiac event? Yeah, that's a great question, Ellison. So let's let's just start with it in terms of uh, the most common reason for somebody having cardiac uh, events is is basically development of cardiovascular disease in the terms of high blood pressure, uh, left ventricular hypertrophy, uh, corneal atherosclerosis uh, that can lead to congestive heart failure and all those things. Those are the things that I see every day in my practice, okay? And those things have a strong familial association, meaning that it runs in families, okay? Yep. So if you had a first-degree male relative who in a, at a very young age, 40s and 50s, 50s in particular, who had a heart attack, heart surgery, stent, or some kind of heart-related condition like that, that puts you at risk, whether you're male or female, if you're a first-degree relative, okay? Now, that having been said, there are some other things, okay, and one of the things that gets very, very, a lot of attention in young athletes like this is a condition we call hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and um, that is a spectrum of processes where certain parts of the heart, basically the muscle gets so thick, all right? And mm -hmm. so, in, in that's not necessarily inflamed, but it gets very, very thick and when the heart squeezes, it can cause an imbalance in the perfusion to the heart. Hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy is called HOCM. Okay, we shorten that H-O-C-M. Hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. Hypertrophy meaning it's thick. Obstructive meaning literally it's squeezing so hard that it just basically stops blood from getting out of the heart instantaneously. All right, and we call it a cardiomyopathy meaning it's it's not normal for the heart to do that in that particular location. So those things can run in families. Amyloidosis of the heart, okay? Transthyretin, okay, proteins, that those things tend to have a familial kind of association. Sarcoidosis tends to run in certain families, but it's not 100%, okay? It's not like sickle cell where you can say, okay, 25% of people in the family, if you got two parents and two, 25% of the kids are gonna have sickle cell. It's not that uh, solid, but we just know there's a familial association. DNA testing uh, and gen genetic testing is now able to basically parse those things out in a very, very specific way, all right, 
to tell you, hey, look, you're at risk for what daddy may have had. And this is why. That's not the issue, though, Ellis. But here's the issue. And here's the bottom line to that question. And here's one of the things that um, when Wayne, uh, Wayne Kong, Kong was the CEO of the Association of Black Cardiologists, they had a tagline. That was children should know. Uh, children should know their grandparents. The grandparents should know their children should know their grandparents. I think our parents should know their grandchildren or something. Whatever it was, and my son just joined. Thanks, Will. I got you, brother. I'm answering your questions. That's my son. You and Coop, y'all check him out. <laughs> you said you'd be here. I love it, man. Thank you. Love you to death, man. Uh, so, um, but 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 you you really so the point is for the audience is you've got to ask these questions. You need to start digging and asking mom and daddy, what did grandmama die? What did Uncle Joe, who used to sit out on the stump and drink his, what did he die of? Drink his 40 ounce or whatever he was drinking. You need to understand that. You need to get, I will tell you right now, a familial thing that runs in my family. Um, my dad had, gosh, I don't know, 11 brothers, I think, and one sister that, that came to adulthood. Two of those brothers died of aortic stenosis okay all right one sister had a valve replacement for aortic stenosis the only girl in the family had a valve replacement for aortic stenosis she died a few years ago of complications later on of other things and one of the and, and the youngest boy in that group had an aortic valve replacement so when i think about men with the last name cooper in that lineage lineage you got now almost 40 percent of the men had severe aortic stenosis. One of them died of sudden cardiac death. We don't really know what it was because he didn't have an autopsy. The other one died of a stroke. But you think about that now. Over 40%. No, hold on. 40, one, two, three, two died because they wouldn't, one was a doctor who wouldn't have anything done. Aortic stenosis. So the point being is that we really need to understand our family history. But the answer is by understanding that family history, when things come up with you, you can then inquire about, hey, I remember, you know, grandmother, a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, uncle, somebody had that. And hey, should we be thinking in, along those lines when something like a cardiac arrest happens in terms of whether or not that history of a familial connection could lead the healthcare providers down the pathway of understanding what's happening with the person who became the victim of a cardiac arrest. Uh, that, that was one of the things I was going to really emphasize is that get a, get a comprehensive family history. Yes. Understanding that you need to know what's happening in your family. And I, I found that I found out some things that I, some things I knew, like my father having prostate cancer. So that made me overly concerned about prostate cancer. There you go. Uh, but that did not just learn. Oh, you know, mom's got hypertension. So I started watching. My, I bought a, I got a blood pressure cuff in my house, and so yeah. I, I checked my blood pressure and I make sure I had to change my diet. So there's some things that you have to know. And that hypertension, we call it a silent killer. Black folks, we call it a silent killer because you don't know you have it unless you're checking your blood pressure or until you have an event That's like exactly a stroke, right. <laughs> like a heart attack. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Dr. Cooper. I've been paying enough attention to you. That hypertension over time, that causes that thickening of the heart that you don't Yeah, want. yeah. And so, you know, uh, it, it, it creates a situation. So I just imagine this, okay? And I give this example to patients all the time. Uh, what we're asking our heart to do, okay? 
We're asking our heart to do something that you cannot do. All right. So if you think about your heart beating against a blood pressure of 120, which is normal, systolic, um, you know, how many did 60 times a minute, you know, 85,000 times a day or whatever that may uh, turn out to be. You think about that. Now, let me ask you this. If you just go and do your arm like this against gravity at a much slower rate, I give you 10, 15 minutes <laughs> and you're going to be worn out. Okay, you'll, you will stop because it's voluntary before your muscle actually completely just gives out. You'll stop because you'll have to, all right? And that's with no weights in your hand. That's just doing it against gravity. That's how strong gravity and how weak your hands could be, all right? Now, or your muscles could be. You just imagine now, you're asking your heart to do that every single beat. Now, let's imagine we take that blood pressure up to 150, all right? 160, 180, that's systolic, all right? Then what's happening there with every beat, that heart can't stop. I guess it can because you may have cardiac arrest, all right? But what's happening with every single beat is that heart muscle is getting thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. It's called hypertrophy, okay? Eventually, that thickening of the heart muscle, all right, will not be able to, the blood supply to the heart won't be able to sustain blood flow into that muscle and that muscle will begin to replace itself with fibrous tissue. When ha that happens, that fibrous tissue is not as strong as the muscle, the heart stops thickening and it starts basically just stretching out, dilating, and it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. So you got a heart that's very, very strong. Initially, it's fighting like crazy. But later on, because of that hypertension, it starts to stretch out, dilate, okay, and become weaker and weaker. That results in a condition we call congestive heart failure, okay? Which is one of the reasons why you can have a cardiac arrest. All right. Okay, Let, let's go. We're going to go to a couple of your questions. Got it. Got sure. Because we got to talk about what you should do if somebody has a cardiac arrest around you. So I want you to kind of think about that, like what should happen and, and give people some tips on what they should sure. do if there is a cardiac event around them. All right, so um, uh, I, I'm going to mess your name up. So Ms. Minka, I'm going to call you by the last name, Minka. Um, she, she's had some, some cardiac events. So let uh, me put our first question on here and see if we can understand it. Okay, what do you classify as a dissection of the thoracic aorta leading to kidney failure? Left side of the body went numb, with shortness of breath, nauseous. Not sure. Uh, was it a heart attack and not cardiac arrest? I guess she's trying to figure out if that yeah. event was a heart attack or a cardiac arrest. Yeah, it wasn't a cardiac arrest, Cafele. Uh, uh, I think is how you say that. Um, is uh, it wasn't a cardiac arrest because basic cardiac arrest is very simply that your heart stops. Okay, an aortic dissection is when the blood pressure is so high that literally the internal layer of the aorta that big tube on top of the heart actually separates. It tears, there's so much pressure in there, okay? And it literally tears and then blood starts to seep out. It doesn't rupture, but it tends to seep out between the layers, but those outer layers are not as strong uh, on their own. They're all very strong when there's three layers all together, the intima, the adventitia, and the media. When they're together, they're very, very strong and they can withstand that pressure for a long period of time. But if you get a tear on the inside lining of that blood vessel, then it starts to dissect in between the layers and they become much weaker and then you get a rapid expansion. That's called a thoracic aortic 
uh, dissection. Okay, it can happen in the ascending aorta, descending aorta, abdominal aorta. Okay, because of the dissection, you can lose blood flow to the kidneys that can lead to kidney failure. But the underlying condition there was hypertension in most cases, high blood pressure, and that high blood pressure has already done damage to your kidneys. Okay. And so, and therefore that you've got a damaged kidney that's already been damaged by high blood pressure. And now you take away the blood flow with this torn up blood vessels. Okay. And you've taken another hit. So that can lead to kidney failure. So some of the biggest issues with an aortic dissection, um, uh, stroke is another one because you've already got damage to your brain. Uh, you've got stroke, you've got the kidney problems and all of that having resulted from, in most instances, from really elevated uh, high blood pressure over long periods of time. But it's not cardiac arrest and it's not necessarily a heart attack. It's in the main blood vessel that sits on top of the heart. Okay, and then he had one more follow-up at something similar. I guess he's just asking, should he get a stent um, or monitoring a medic medication? And ultimately, this is that mental health piece. Do I ever go back to feeling normal? Which Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so first and foremost, my friend, um, let's, let's get that blood pressure under control because if you're a 51 year old and I, I'm, I'm looking at you, you're a man of color. I don't, you know, we, <laughs> your race is a, as a social construct, but you're a man that looks like me. Okay. Uh, but, uh, uh, 51 years old, it's very likely you have high blood pressure. And, uh, if you were told you needed a stent, the stent is for several reasons. One is, You've developed an aneurysm, it's expanding because the blood pressure is not, either it started out that way as part of the dissection or the blood pressure has not been over controlled over time. It's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, can, which can occur. So stenting is a very good alternative to open surgery. And we try not to operate. And when you start talking about a stent, I'm assuming you're talking about the descending aorta because in the ascending part, the part that's going up, coming right off of the top of the heart, that typically requires surgery, okay? The stents go in the lower part that's going down into the chest, all right? And so uh, it's a very good treatment. It's much better than surgery. Uh, the techniques as well as uh, the equipment and the resources to do those procedures uh, have gotten much better and better and better. Now, so I think it's not a, 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 it's not a and or situation. It is and, which means that not only do you may perhaps need that direct stenting, but you also need the medications as well. So it's both. Uh, it's not either or. Uh, going back to feeling normal, uh, my brother, is, is, is tough. And I get it. I understand. I see a lot, a lot of patients like you who have these issues. You can reach out to me, by the way, at my website, www.primohealthpartners.com, if you don't mind me plugging that in there, Ellis. Sure. And, and you and I can talk more offline about and get a little bit more specific, get your records and talk a little bit more specifically about uh, your situation is www.primo, P-R-I-M-O, healthpartners.com. Uh, but, but it's tough and, and you're going to need support, but just know that there are many people out there like you who've gone through this and you can get over it. Okay. Absolutely. And I, I, I would just add, because you know, my background is in mental health and I would say, uh, you know, normal is relative, right? And, and yes. I think a lot of times people use normal as referring to the time before they had any you know, physical health health problems. That's correct. correct. So 
That's a very good point, Ellis. That's a good, very good point. Yes. Go back to that feeling. So I think what the safest thing for you is to create a new normal as to getting healthy, right? And then how that feels, how that feeling of feeling healthy again and and going in and having kind of clean doctor's visits where they're not telling you you got problems, you've got your blood pressure under control, but I saw you you put in a comment that you had some, some high, you know, some blood pressure, um, you had high blood pressure. So getting that under control and just generally starting to feel healthier uh, will be your new normal. But uh, going back to, you know, it, it's like, as men, we like to go back to our days when we could play sports and, and not have to stretch, right? It's like, yeah. I'm never going to feel that way again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, the, yeah. The weekend warriors, we used to play basketball when I was probably in my 30s. I gave that up, man. Uh, you know, and, and after I saw two or three guys get Achilles, and then after we went over and joined the rec league, and these young boys were dunking on us like left and right, I was like, I'm retired, I'm done. <laughs> it, took me, it took me to check my ACL to stop playing. There you go, there you go. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I feel you because I, I am 51 myself, and so I, I'm right in that in that space with your brother. So, uh, you're, you're not alone. Uh, in that, so uh, next question uh, from from uh, this is from LinkedIn. Thomas is asking, as a father, would you want your son to play sports again after what happened? If if you had your son happen, what happened with Bronny James? Yes, yeah, my good friend Tom Luziani. Hey Tom, how you doing, buddy? I appreciate your support. That the answer is yes, uh, and it depends. I'll, I'll put the caveat there that it depends on what we find or what was found with him. I will tell you that. The workup and the things that they did right away, uh, first and foremost, first responders are very, very, I mean, that's important. Let's, let's remember now, he survived a cardiac arrest. Yes. Uh, and as you and I both know, Tom, very, very, uh, Tom worked in healthcare for a number of years. Um, that, that, that's a big deal. I mean, surviving a cardiac arrest. So what we can say to our audience, all of you, 100%, um, you know, hold your emotions, but go learn CPR. Okay, mm-hmm. go get that first on the scene. Somebody uh, drops dead or has a heart attack or passes out, so you know what to do. That's universal. All of us can do that. Okay, so that's number one. Is that they did a great job, and thank thankfully he was at USC where they have these people around all the time. They know what they're doing. The Lamar Hamlin Hamlin situation. You had, you know, first response right there on the sideline. They did their jobs, but you and I can both do that. So. The answer to that question, though, uh, Tom, is that yes, uh, yeah, I, I would have no problem with my son going back and playing sports, uh, assuming that we've gone through the testing. Okay, there are some basic things that they probably did right off the bat: echocardiogram, just an ultrasound of the heart, heart catheterization. Okay, where they run uh, the, the the catheters up in the arteries to make sure that there's no anomalous arteries that are going in bad directions that can cause squeezing. And you can lose, um, uh, the, where you can lose blood flow temporary, where there's no obstructive cardiomyopathy, there's no heart valve issues or congenital problems that came up. And then the next thing they probably did is go to the electrical uh, system. That takes a little time because you've got to monitor the electrical system through continuous monitoring, uh, Holter monitors, and some other things out there. You can take these things home now. You can hook up an EKG to your, you know, to your cell phone these days. Uh, and monitor that continuously to make sure the electrical activity is okay. And then you get into imaging, MRI, CAT scans, MRIs, looking at the anatomy, making sure all the connections are perfect. MRI is going to give you an idea of whether or not he's got some kind of 
inflammatory condition. I, I mentioned earlier, sarcoidosis, uh, amyloidosis, and those kinds of things, infiltrative, what we call infiltrative cardiomyopathies, where there's, there's, there's essentially uh, abnormal protein uh, and ab abnormal uh, inflammatory nodules being placed in the heart itself. So you start looking at those things. So there's a whole workup and battery of tests, okay, that need to be done. But let's assume that all of those are either normal or if they're even not normal, if they're great treatments, okay, that make it very unlikely that this is to recur, then yeah, I would have no problem with my son going back and playing sports. Uh, but clearly we would have to go through that battery of tests before we uh, would, uh, you know, just assume that he's going to go right back out there and start doing that. And, then, and again, using the DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin situation, I'm sure he did. I know when Evander was going through this years ago, I'm sure he went through all of those tests, at least whatever was available at the time, uh, and made the decision to go back and did fine and, and is still with us here today. And And I'm quite sure that DeMar Hamlin's going to do just fine, honestly, based on what I know about what happened to him and the intensive uh, uh, investigation that they did to look at that. I, that was a very uh, well thought out answer and i would say that that's going that that's hard right that's yeah. a hard answer to make for for anyone because yes. as a parent you want your child to be happy yes right? and if they're happy playing basketball you want them to be able to do that and in like you know I, I played again after i tore my acl i'm just speaking personally i tore right. my acl i cannot end on an injury right so i went through all the i went through the surgery pain, rehab, all that stuff, because I just did not want to, I wanted to end on my own terms. And I'm, if I could project myself into, into Ronnie James's mind right now, that's what he is thinking. Yeah. He wants yeah. to get back to basketball because ending on an injury is so devastating mentally for an athlete, especially one that has aspirations for the NBA. Mm -hmm. saw USC as being his next stop on that path to have it derailed with something like this is probably more than he could bear mentally right now. So he's going to do whatever he can until the doctor says, no, it, it can really cost you your life if you go back out there. So that's just kind of the mentality. Yeah. Uh, 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 and I wasn't even like an athlete at his level, but I'm just saying as someone who, as a weekend warrior, I was like, no, I'm not going to let an injury end, end it. Just yeah. competitiveness. And you know so, that mental health piece, Ellis. I mean, you know, yeah. I think I saw on one of the tweets that DeMar Hamlin put out you know, that, that the therapy and the psychology, I mean, you know, you and I may have a little broken bone, torn ligament, this and that, but this brother may have seen the light, yes. you know, that's a whole nother level of consciousness, if you will. And so, you know, therapy and mental health therapy, to your point, very, very important in helping not only the victim of this, the athlete who suffered this condition, but also his parents make that decision. So I would say, Tom, as a you know, where I sit and having seen these situations over and over and over again, my answer may be a little bit different than a lot of other people. Okay, but I think I think Ellis and I are laying it out there for you that you just got to check all the boxes. Okay, and do not forget, do not forget the mental health and psychological impact that injury and particularly a cardiac arrest has on that person. Hey, yeah. and, 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 and shut up. If he decides himself, hey man, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. 
That's okay. We're gonna support. We're gonna support Bronny. Whatever he decides to do, I'm gonna support my son, my kids, whatever they decide to do in the face of that. Okay. Um, but you know, it's it's it, it can be a challenge as a parent when you have to become a surrogate decision maker. Okay. And so I'm just telling you professionally because we got a big, huge audience here. The things, the thoughts that go through my mind, and yeah. so I would not put a barrier up emotionally from me because I'm resolved psychologically, yeah, mentally I'm good, but also professionally I would go through those steps to make sure. But I want to make sure that the audience understands that you should also do those things for yourself and for your child or whoever else, a loved one who perhaps yeah. may be faced with these kinds of problems one day. It's a tough decision. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I was like, whatever is going to make him happy that he can do, uh, so be supportive of that as, as the parent. Your job is to be supportive of your child and, and help them make the right decision. If the doctor is saying, I don't think it's a good idea, and they still want to go out there and try it, yeah, then you try to guide them and then you know do the best you can. Right. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a good question about calcium buildup. So, all right, here we go. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I got a southern tongue. I can't pronounce all these names. I'm just gonna say. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. So, it's, what's the cor- what's the correlation? So, uh, uh, okay. So, I'm not even gonna work. I'm not even gonna try your name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the I, th- I want to say is Emu Getachu. Uh, I, you know, I, I always try to get the names right because I'm a military thing. I've seen so many names on bads, you know, all over the world. But anyway, uh, so here's what I say. The, the correlation between calcium buildup and heart attack. So <clears throat> very simply, if you have calcium buildup on a, and typically on a CAT scan with, you know, these calcium scoring scans that are so common nowadays, it's really just an indicator, okay? It's an indicator that you have had a plaque Okay, the plaque starts with just laying down a fat. And let me give you an example of that. Okay, go home and do this. You can do it right now, wherever you are. Go in your kitchen, take a little olive oil, okay, just a drop or two out of the pantry or whatever, and just drop it in a pan. So, what's happening inside an artery is that that just that, and that little, depending on how level it is, that little drop of olive oil is just going to sit there. That has no calcium in it. Okay, but that's what's happening with very early plaques in most people. And in fact, they've seen these plaques early, these lipid, we call lipid laden plaques, fat laden plaques, quite quite frankly, in babies. Okay, all right. And so that's the early genesis of an injury to the inside lining of a blood vessel. As those plaques mature, whether or not they grow and become obstructive, we don't know. They could just get into the wall of the vessel and just become cal. But as they mature, and when I say mature, is it's gone through a process of lipid, laying down the, the fat, uh, healing, inflammation, healing over and over and over again. And then calcium gets in the mix of that and eventually it becomes uh, calcium laden. And you can actually see that on an x-ray, okay? So essentially what calcium is just showing you is that You've had, you've gone through that process of buildup of plaque, maturation, inflammation, laying down of calcium. We just don't know how bad it is. So it could be when we see very high calcium scores on these scans, even in people that have no symptoms, they're not short of breath or having chest pain, it's an indication to go ahead and look at, uh, take a little further look, either with a stress test 
or heart catheterization, some other test to make sure that that calcium-laden blood vessel um, is not uh, obstructive or could be at risk now for obstruction, which then leads to the heart attack, all right? So it's not necessarily that the calcium, it's just essentially, it's an indicator of a potential buildup of plaque, which could lead to a heart attack, all right? And, uh, and plaque, the, yeah. that, that plaque builds up, like if it's your blood vessel, that plaque starts to build up around the inside wall of that blood vessel, which narrows the area for the blood to go through. Mm -hmm. right? so yep. I'm not going to make any sexual references here, but it narrows the, the, the Yes. The plaque built up around the walls, it narrows that way, and then that's how your blood pressure will start to go up as a result. Yes. And then that, that could block, and when it, and there's a blockage, that's where you could have a heart attack. So there you go. Yeah, I hope that I hope that explain uh, answers your question. Thank you. Yeah, that was, that was really good. Um, uh, I think you know we've got some great. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Brother Minka, for for your kind words, and I'll put that on screen for everybody to see. It's just want to say thank you. That, that, that's why I went reach out to Dr. Cooper first, right? That, what you're hearing between the two of us is genuine, uh, and, and just um, having some great, uh, great dialogue, and that's what we're trying to do here um, at blackdoctor.org. So uh, as, as we're getting it, we're supposed to go 30 minutes, but look, there's some great questions, and there's some great stuff that we needed to, to, to go through today. All right, so what are some tips? All right, so I, I was thinking about like, what are some tips if, because we know about Demar Hamlin and Brian James because they're they're survivors, and they're in high profile jobs and careers that have medical staff always on hand. Right, right? They trainers and, and staff there at, at USC. They had a whole alert team ready to go on a football field, but that's not when most cardiac arrests happen. <laughs> they happen yeah. while you're jogging. Uh, it happens a lot of times in, with high school students in, on, on sports. And so you mentioned earlier about getting CPR trained and, I, and, and we talked about before, particularly in those chest compressions because you're going to have to be there beating until their heart can get back on rhythm. Right. Um, what are the other tips if, if someone, if you're around somebody that has a, a cardiac arrest where their heart stops? Yeah, that's a very good question, uh, Ellis. Well, well, first and foremost, I say to most people, most people panic and they go into absolute, complete, you know, uh, loss of mind, which is understandable. But prepare yourself for that. I'm going to tell you, this is, I'm just going to keep it real. Number one, prepare yourself for that. I don't know what we are, what 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 planet we some some of us live on, but let me tell you something. You know, the last I checked, seventy five percent of people in this country are going to die of of heart related condition. Okay, and if you are around folks that you know have conditions that could lead to a heart attack, they're obese, they got diabetes, they got hypertension, and certainly you know your, your family, you know. First of all, in, on a family basis, okay, get to know them, understand. What's happening? All right. Now, that's number one. Number two, yeah, get the CPR training, okay? Understand when you go in, and I'll say this time of year in particular, and you call me paranoid. I don't think it's paranoid. It's just me scouring the, the scene. When I, when I go in, if I happen to go into um, a hotel this time of year on vacation, or if I happen to go to an event, outdoor concerts, I actually am looking around to see if they got AEDs, okay? Mm -hmm. The automated um, uh, external defibrillator, okay? 
AEDs. I'm all, I'm looking around to see if there are emergency personnel around, not just the police to stop somebody from fighting. But I'm looking around to see, hey, if something happens here. Now that just me maybe my military and medical kind of back, but that's just natural for me to do that. Okay, but if you're going to be out and about in those situations, understand what resources you have at your disposal. Okay, the very basics is understanding CPR. Okay. If you can't do CPR, let me just give you one tip that is probably not going to hurt the patient. I know it's not going to hurt them, but may help them. If you, you, if you don't know anything else to do, just lift their legs. You know what you just did? You just returned a significant, lift their legs. If they're laying flat, just lift the legs up about 45 degrees. You just returned about 500 cc's of fluid to their heart, okay? And that's almost... And that, that's very innocuous in most situations. You're just returning blood flow to the heart. So we can, well, even if it's not beating, so that something can get going. Okay. That's a very, very, that's a, a simple, practical thing to do. All right. Make sure you understand on your phones and all these other, we got all these other apps on there, how to quickly uh, dial 911 and, and get, um, you know, first responders uh, activated very, very quickly. So just all these very little things that you can do that could be helpful. Okay, mouth-to-mouth is no longer recommended with CPR. All you need to do is pump on the chest. Learn how to do that. Get CPR somewhere, okay? Um, churches used to offer it, but I know most people, or a lot of people now are not in churches. They're all online now because of, you know, post-pandemic or whatever. But make sure that you get that training uh, somewhere. Remain calm, okay? Keep a level head about you. And understand that they're the simple little things that you can do very early on that could make a difference uh, in someone's life. Very, very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are those are five great tips. I'll put them back on the screen uh, if, if you need them. But we talked about learning CPR, chest compressions. We don't have to do the mouth-to-mouth. We understand the COVID and all kinds of things. And I'll just say being black in America, you know, just put my mouth on a brand of people's mouth. That's what I'm looking forward to doing. So I'm, I'm loving, hey, I can do chest compression all day long. <laughs> Let me just tell you something, right. Ellis. There's not much you're gonna, you know, you're not, you're not gonna hurt yourself by putting your mouth on somebody. Trust me. There you go. There's people well, out there putting their mouths on things they shouldn't be putting on anyway. Every single minute of every day. <laughs> but I get it. I understand. Nothing that a little listerine won't take away, my friend. <laughs> awesome. Prepare, prepare to have to intervene. So if yes. it is something that you're engaging in, if you're out in a like if, if we got record temperatures going on, oh god, the, yes, the country right now, somebody might have an event outside, and so you have to be able to prepare to intervene. And so, so what does that prepare look like? That means when you go into a situation, where is the closest water available? If you're not bringing water with you, where is there water available? Is there ice available? Is there emergency services available? Scan your area. I know that's military, but that's just common sense, really. To yeah. really, when you go into a situation, these these festivals and fairs and it's warm outside make sure that you're you're properly hydrated before you go outside but also have some some ability to intervene properly if there is an event right right check for aed you know and, and the, the portable ones there they have the instructions right there so you don't have to be a medical professional to learn how to know how to use it uh it is very color coded it's got pictures it's not even words you don't have to know how to read to utilize some of these portable that's aeds true. and so that's true. Just yeah. that can save your life so uh lift the legs and then also stay calm always stay calm that's number one somebody has an event 
you run around panicking in a circle is not going to yeah. help the situation. Yeah, you creating you creating the distraction is actually not helping. It's not helpful. I mean, if somebody's worried about if they're going to have to resuscitate no, you in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. E- easy, well, easy for me. Easy. Yes, absolutely. Activate emergency services. <laughs> you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm around yes. this kind of stuff all day, every day, and I just you know I'm I'm the same just as you see me now. Uh, but but very attuned and attentive and getting things done uh, in those uh, yeah. situations. So yeah, I, I think I, I think we may have covered it. We, we did a good job covering. We didn't cover, we didn't cover everything. I, I would just say this, and, and I'll give mm-hmm. the last word there, Dr. Cooper, is um, the best way to avoid any type of cardiac event is to eat right. Move, get your exercise, get your right. Right now, it's recommended 150 minutes per week uh, of movement, and it's not just exercise. You can just walking, uh, vacuuming the floor, some sort of movement. Um, you have to get proper amount of sleep. Right, sleep is just as important to your health as anything yes, else. Yes, yes. And then lowering your stress, whatever that is, whether that's uh, meditation, whether it's that's. Uh, going to a comedy show, whatever you need to do to lower your stress levels, that will also go a long way in terms of just getting your body in the best possible shape it can get into. Uh, people that have high cholesterol, I have a family history of it, my cholesterol tends to run high. That's the, that, that cholesterol, what Doc is talking about, that builds up mm-hmm. around those, those, harder, those arteries. And so he said, olive oil, I'm going to give you my test. Fry some bacon in the pan and pull that bacon out and then let that grease sit and see what happens. There you go. There you go. I, I did yeah. say olive oil, didn't it? Which is probably a better oil than the, 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 the bacon <laughs> fat. You're right. And, and you know, the other thing I want to say. It yeah. hardens up at room temperature. Right. So when you have any kind of fat that can harden up at room temperature, beef does that, uh, chicken <laughs> fat does that over time, bacon grease, or pork, all that. If, if it hardens up at room temperature, that's not something you should be ingesting too much into your body because that is what can cause that, that blockage that we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to layer on top of that is understand your risk. Uh, I'm saying this to my face, my, my Instagram audience. I know a few of y'all over there, but I know most of you guys that came over here. But understand your risk. And just all those things you just said, where do I fall on the spectrum? And be honest. Oh, my God. I, I mean, you know, the people just, I mean, we've got to stop. You know, I get calls, that, well, I eat right. No, you don't. I'm sorry, you don't. You know, well, you know, I only smoke two cigarettes, but you smoke. Okay. <laughs> You know, oh, but I exercise, but not 30 minutes a day, six days a week. I mean, come on. I mean, just just stop it. We, we the, All those, you know, right. we, we have these mental blocks that we want to convince ourselves that we're doing, uh, I've done everything right. I eat right. No, you haven't. Stop it. Yeah. So yeah. look yourself in the mirror. Be honest with yourself. Okay. Understand your risk. Know what that is. All right. Get treatment for it. Make sure it's evaluated on a periodic basis, meaning you got to go see your doctor. I know they're hard to get to, but you can call me. We got them, okay? Um, and, and so, you know, all of those things, the basic kind of things that you need to do to make sure that you are putting yourself in the best situation, quite frankly, to survive a cardiac arrest when and if it happens, okay? But I hope it never happens. God knows I hope it never happens. I tell you what I'm selling you do not want to buy, okay? That in terms of heart surgery. Now, some of this semaglutide stuff we sell, you can buy that all day long. But, 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 but what I sell in terms of you know the cutting and sewing, you don't want that. 
I mean, you really don't want that because it's hard. It's hard. It's, you, you, once we cross that road, that bridge, which is a very good bridge, we can we can take care of you now. We can get you back where you need to be. But to your point, mentally, it's now a, a new relative normal, and you've got to you're going to have to now deal with the consequences of that, right. whatever it may be, for the rest of your life. So let's get out in front of it right now. Absolutely. So I wanted to say on behalf of BlackDoctor.org, thank you all for joining us. Thank Dr. Cooper and Primo Health Partners for, mm -hmm. for loaning um, him to us for, for this hour. Now we went to hour. Uh, so thank you so much. Contact, if you want to learn more from Dr. Cooper and Primo Health Partners, go to their website. Yeah, they reach out to me on social media, at Dr. Cooper MD. That's me, man. I'm all, I'm all over the place. And uh, not as much as I want to be, but we're going to get there. Working with BlackDoctor.org. And I, I really, again, want to just say, to the audience that take advantage of these resources. I mean, it's, it's it's absolutely fantastic what you all do, and I can't say enough about it. And I, you know, the 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 sky is the limit. You just tell Reggie, I said the sky is the limit for where this can go in the age of Chat GPT, artificial yeah. intelligence, new connectivity. Oh my God, it's just amazing what what this platform is going to become. I'm not going to say what it could. I'm going to say what it's going to do. Uh, yep. in the near future. And thank you so much again for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stay healthy, black folks. Got it. We'll Take care. We'll Peace and love, time. my friend. All right. I'm out. <laughs>